and welcome to Book Squad Goals, the scary Silicon Valley edition. Mm. On this episode, we're talking about Devs, the new series from Alex Garland on FX slash Hulu. Um, we're going to be spoiling everything because we've all watched the whole series already and we're going to get pretty in depth. So if you have not seen it, highly recommend that you go and check it out. It is, uh, I don't want to show my cards too early, but I think it's pretty great. Um, so definitely Mm -hmm. check it out and I think you will enjoy it more if you don't know everything that's going to happen and then come back and join us for this discussion. So for the intro question, What weird technology or concept are you focused on in the top secret development department of your tech company? Mm. Mm. I have an answer already. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I had time to think about it. I was like, I didn't even know I had a company, so this is news to me. (laughs) This is Kelly. Mine is something that I think about a lot, actually, which is teleportation. Dang it! That's what I was going to say. Sorry, girl. I, I wanted to say it first so that no one else could say it but honestly like this would make everyone's life so much better exponentially better in every way like you could think about traveling think about commuting to work as a person who obviously during the quarantine like i don't have to commute and honestly like everything about this sucks except for the fact that i'm saving two hours a day (laughs) uh yeah that's a lot of time and honestly like I can't think of very many things that I would want more than being able to teleport. So, that's mine. Yeah, really? that's good. Like, I don't have a long commute, but teleportation would be really cool. I mean, just for traveling to going to other countries, going to other states, mm-hmm. going to the grocery <laughs> store. Yeah, that is good. My answer is not nearly as good as that. But I can't think of anything else either. So... This is not even really my answer. I'll explain. <laughs> so Susan, I used to way. read for a literary journal, and when people would submit their stories or their poems, you know, they have a cover letter that tells you who they are and where their work's been before. But the very, very first cover letter I ever read for this magazine I used to read for, the guy said that when he isn't writing, he is working on a time machine um, that will add purportedly his words not mine like 2.5 seconds every day (laughs) and i was like what (laughs) a this person is bonkers and i can't wait to read his poems they're (laughs) bad um but (laughs) i just (laughs) ever since i read that question that's all i can think about So I wouldn't really want to make that, but it's just like, it's a weird enough project that you could see people being assigned to it and wasting so much time just in the interest of adding seconds, but it could be a good TV show. (laughs) You've got to know at this point. I mean, something like that, it's more just the idea that you were able to add seconds to a day and not like what you'll actually get out of the seconds that have been added. In that vein, I, I think, like, some kind of, like, time travel thing would be interesting, like, if you could actually literally put yourself into a different time. But I would be so scared of messing things up that I don't know if I would do it. <laughs> yeah. 
so dangerous. The implications. That's the other thing about teleporting. It's like not there's not that much that could go wrong other than like if we're thinking about like this is assuming that it works. There's so much that could go wrong. This is assuming that it works. Okay. <laughs> but like it's not this sort of thing where like time travel where people could use it to do horrible things. Like teleporting, like it would still be like you you would need a machine to do it or you would need to like walk to a place to like get into it it wouldn't be like let me just snap my fingers and i can appear anywhere you know you really thought this through (laughs) i've thought about it a lot yeah i have if we're being realistic i would probably be the barista at the tech (laughs) campus cafe we're not being realistic or like the person who keeps everybody's hygiene in check i mean you Uh, gotta have one of those just takes like deodorant to people i i would like to do some kind of this is mary by the way like not i'm just announcing everyone's names while y'all are talking oh yeah this is mary it's fine i did it for season two (laughs) thanks babe i would want to do some kind of food science like i don't know what that means necessarily not splicing (laughs) vegetables together or anything but like creating the perfect fake meat uh, yeah, something like that, or something like um, this is not good. This is not engaging podcasting, but something with food, maybe like some Willy Wonka type thing, like okay. a big death trap candy factory. Yeah, that sounds everlasting fun. gobstopper. Yeah, or the one yeah. where you can have a whole three course meal with the piece of yes. chicken. That's what I'm thinking about because that would. You know, end world hunger or whatever. That's true. Or turn you into blueberry. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there are some kinks that need to be worked out, obviously. Are you going to have Oompa Loompas? No, that feels bad. That's racist. (laughs) That feels like some colonialism. (laughs) Time done. We're going to do an episode about Willy Wonka now so we can unpack... I mean, I wrote part of my thesis on Willy Wonka. It's like in the book, he goes to another country and just oh, takes wow. all these envelopes yeah. <laughs> away from their home. Oh, but Roald Dahl is so good. He is very but, good. But so but, bad. You know, that's one of those things you read now and you're like, ooh, that didn't age well. <laughs> also, you're basically a Nazi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I am a huge fan of James and the Giant Peach. I really like the witches. Uh, uh, clearly. Um, but I like the witches, That's too. not the question that you're asking. Not, it's not what's your favorite Rodal book. Yeah, for some reason, my intro question wasn't, what's your favorite Rodal book? <laughs> I don't why. know why. Well, the answer to that is the witches. Um, <laughs> I was a BFG girl myself. Moving on to the episode. So let's talk about this episode. No. Um, so <laughs> I really have to go – Okay. I'm not going to answer the question directly, but I am. So this is Emily. Um, I really have to go with teleportation because that has always been the thing that I thought would make my life easier. However, I also want to add, just piggybacking off of you, because I think my um, lab would be a little bit different because I don't want to share it with anybody. Um, I don't care if everyone else can teleport. I feel like if everyone could teleport, that could cause some issues. Um, I just want it for me and, like, maybe some people that I care about. <laughs> okay. Um, however, I... Uh, can I have it? Yeah, yeah. Only because you, you said it. it earlier, though. Okay. That's fine, then. Yeah. 
we can, I mean, yeah. Um, so that, that would be really important to me is like, I don't, I don't like, cause I've thought about this a lot and I'm like, you know, teleportation would make life a lot easier. However, if everyone could teleport, I could see that becoming a disaster very quickly. And then all these regulations have to get put on it. And then like, that's not fun for me anymore. Um, so yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, I could also see how, and this kind of segues into the episode. Well, I could see how, um, this, what Deb's focus focuses on could be really appealing as well. I'm less interested in seeing the future. I'm more interested in exploring um, the past. Um, I think that's really fascinating. Um, so yeah, let's talk about devs. <laughs> cool. Uh, okay, so I'm just going to read the summary that I got when I searched devs on Google. Um, Devs is an FX limited series that focuses on a young software engineer named Lily Chan who works for Amaya, a cutting-edge tech company based in Silicon Valley. After her boyfriend Sergey's apparent suicide, which, okay, just pointing this out, this is in the description of the show on Google, which is why I already knew that was going to happen, but it doesn't happen until the end of the first episode, so it seems The description I read just said when her boyfriend goes missing. Yeah. Which happens right away. Um, (laughs) That's better, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Lily suspects foul play and begins to investigate. She quickly realizes that all roads lead to Forrest, Amaya's enigmatic CEO, and Devs, the company's secret development division. In Lily's quest to discover the truth, she uncovers a technology-based conspiracy that could change the world. Um, So... There are a lot of things to talk about with this. I guess I'll briefly mention, again, this show uh, was created and written by and directed mostly. I think he did basically <laughs> everything <laughs> by Alex Starring. Garland. He actually um, was all the roles in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> that he's the only Lord. name in the credits. Yes. It's just Alex Garland scrolling off and then that's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we are... Big fans of Alex Garland. We love Ex Machina, which we talk about a lot. We love Annihilation, which we talk about a lot. Um, also a big fan of Never on. Let Me Go, which he wrote. I mean, he didn't write the book. Yes. He wrote the film adaptation, um, which is a Just wonderful movie. It's a great movie. Um, and also sci-fi. So he works primarily in this genre and, like, around this genre. So... Um, the first thing that I want to talk about is science and technology and the way that those things uh, play out in this show. Debs, as we mentioned, takes place in Silicon Valley, and there are a lot of echoes of our current tech culture. For example, the cell phones the characters have don't look terribly unlike iPhones. But there's also a lot going on, like what's happening in the Debs department that is pretty wild and hard to imagine in our current universe. So what did you guys think of the pure sci-fi elements of this show? Um, do we think Debs is trying to say anything specific about our relationship to science and technology or about Silicon Valley in general? So I do want to say, um, I want to say one thing about what you just said that I think is really interesting and that I think has been a trend with sci-fi lately um, is, I don't know, and like maybe I'm not, I'm just not as of a as aware of this in older sci-fi, but it seems like now the trend is more to 
um, place science fiction in a not so distant future. It's not like Mm -hmm. Blade Runner where it's like, this is, I mean, obviously Blade Runner now is like now, but (laughs) 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 Um, it seems like now we're looking at like, this could happen in like three years rather than this is what's going to be like in 50 years or whatever. Um, I think that's interesting. Um, And I think it's kind of showing uh, how quickly technology is moving now. I mean, I think technology has always moved quickly, but now like it's like the more we know about technology, the the, like weirder it's going to get. Yeah. So we don't have to place these things as far in the future. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to agree with you and say that, yeah, it's like there's a part in the show when Forrest is is talking about, he, you know, he says, when I was younger, things moved so slowly and things progressed so slowly. And then now it's like things are changing every minute, mm-hmm. like technology, like new developments are happening constantly. Yeah. And we think about just like even when we were kids or when I was a kid and like, you know the 90s like the internet was like just barely a thing yeah we were we've been rewatching community which is like the first season was in like 2009 so it's not like that old like the newest season is less mm-hmm. than 10 years old but we were like look at their dumb phones <laughs> like they're <Yeah>. so crappy <laughs> they don't even yeah, have emojis it's crazy like because- what the fuck yeah it seems you see like a flip phone and you're like wow that is like a piece of like an artifact from an olden time (laughs) and it's like it wasn't that long (laughs) like (laughs) and yeah i mean i think that and that's like a similar thing that was explored in her the movie her Mm -hmm. uh which i also kind of think of as like part of this uh like alex garland-esque well that's spike jones but like this kind of present day but mm-hmm. slight future sci-fi trend it's like it looks like um, present day and but the pants one, are weirder you know yeah <laughs> and in that one like samantha is the the ai and she learns she like starts out not even having a name or like knowing anything and or like knowing anything about herself anyway and then develops so quickly it's like you know, an exponential growth of her knowledge until she just, like, basically <laughs> ascends <laughs> because she, like, can't exist anymore. Yeah. Everything in this show looks like now except for except for the the one building. Like, even... And the giant mm-hmm. baby yes, statue. and the giant baby statue. Other than that <laughs> giant statue, though, that that campus looks like a tech campus of any other... Like, not even Silicon Valley, like, a lot of just, like, tech startups have, like, that, like, once they get out of startup mm-hmm. phase, have that whole, like, you know, outdoor green space feel, and, mm-hmm. like, um, yeah. I don't, like, everything seemed very current, except for these, like, when they're walking to the devs building, there's, like, those magical-looking elements where, like, you know, there's, like, yeah. floating halo lights, and then there's those weird, like, pillars that are that. yeah the like gold bars <laughs> so alex garland by the way like i just oh that those pillars like, oh, were yeah. like that was like some annihilation just like creeped right in like yeah. i was like i would love it if they walked in here and it was just like they walked into area x when they opened the door to this building yeah. but that's not what happened i mean <laughs> yeah Could have. that stuff was so beautiful and just to say like this show is like and i haven't w- been watching a lot of good television lately like i've been watching a lot of bad television mm-hmm. um, what are you talking about too hot to handle is excellent television 
<laughs> Kill me. Um, I've been watching New Girl, and I've been watching Too Hot to Handle. Uh, but, like, from the very first, like, moment that this show starts, it is just, like, breathtaking. Like, every scene is beautifully shot. The landscapes, the way that the, like, the apartment is framed, the way that faces are shot. Like, just everything is so, so, like, pretty and like aesthetically pleasing in the way that so much tech stuff is, you know? When you think about like the aesthetic of, of Apple ads or it's sleek. Yeah. It's a really sleek. sleek show. Exactly. Um, but it's so like there there are just these like little strange things that kind of break this like beauty. Like, for example, the giant statue of Amaya, which is uh, the CEO Forrest's daughter, Mm -hmm. um, who has tragically died. And so her image is all over the place. But just, like, that vision of that, like, baby statue, like, standing above the trees in the first episode is just, like, what the fuck is that? It's, I mean, the whole time I was watching, I kept asking, so is this Google? Is this Apple? Like, I was trying to, like, find what I thought a real-world analogy would be to Amaya. Yeah. And I don't know. I think it's more Google than anything else. Like, the stuff they're doing, Google would be into that. I do feel like the Some, like, like, wild pure shit. sci-fi stuff yeah. felt accessible enough, though. And, and that's something that sometimes I personally yes. struggle with. Like, especially when it is, like, almost based in real technology and, like, physics. Like, you throw in physics Mm -hmm. and I'm, like, out of there, you know? Oh, it is. This was, like, I understood what they were doing um, and why it was so frightening that it was happening and and all of that, which was nice. (laughs) So it helped, like, I guess the current stuff and just the way it was explained was not too... Opaque. Thank you. I was like, it's the word for unclear, <laughs> but it's like a better word. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> well, like, the day after I started watching devs, I saw trending on Twitter, the world's first quantum computer has been completed. And I was oh, like, shit. oh, no, yeah. it's happening. The singularity it's happening. approaches. going to start devs. Yeah, normally um, if I hear the word quantum, though, I would but- be like, I can't watch this. But <laughs> it's out. gonna it's gonna backfire. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean I agree. This is kind of like I mean Emily mentioned that this is a trend and I think it is sort of like a lot of science fiction is heading in this direction. And it's almost like I feel like Emily and I are gonna feel freaked out by me saying the words magical realism. <laughs> triggered. Because we tried to define it in <laughs> class. Um, But it's kind of like magical realism, you know? Like, the world is like our world, except one thing might be different. That changes everything. And this is science fiction, where it's like, it's our world. We recognize this world. But one thing is like They have this machine. Magical realism, though, is um, something's different, and nobody's really, like, shocked by that. And I think in all of, yeah, this is shocking. And everybody who encounters this is pretty fucking like shocked by it. (laughs) I gotta go throw up. So like that, that almost, (laughs) you keep talking about how this could be in the future, but like that almost makes me think like this is right now because like if we encountered something like this right now, 
it would be shocking. Yeah. And like everybody who comes across this seems like, because that's the only thing that seems like incomprehensible to us, but it's also incomprehensible to everybody who sees it. Um, yeah. Except for Allison Pill, who seems completely unfazed by everything. <laughs> she, she's internalizing yes. everything. Yeah. You can tell, you know, like she's just. The only time she was shocked was when, it broke, and she was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> yeah, I, this is the how did you do that? Only thing I have a plan for. Um, yeah, Emily, I think you're right. Like, it's only shocking at first, but the people who are who are there working on it for longer are just like, yeah. Like, but they also yeah. like they're like. We just saw Jesus. This is fucking cool. You know, like they seem like yeah. into it still. Yeah, <laughs> it's exciting. Or like we're just watching people fucking. Like that's this is awesome. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I like that she's like, men always do this shit. Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like the first thing you're gonna do is look up like a sex tape, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I I mean, Black Mirror does this too, right? To some extent, yeah. like a near future type of thing. I I really like this, and I think Alex Garland is sort of a master of this genre. Mm-hmm. Like Ex Machina is another good example of this near technology that's really frightening. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like can barely talk about this show because I loved yeah. it so much. I mean, I also I'm just like look yeah. at these cool things. Yeah. And we can talk more about this later, but I definitely, I mean, like, Alex Garland has said in interviews that, like, this is kind of like a companion piece to Ex Machina. Yes. Um, it, it's, yeah. like, very much the same universe. And stylistically, uh, it looks very similar to Ex Machina. Like, yeah, like, like Susan was saying, there are, there are Annihilation touches in there as well, but I think, like, if, like, real, like, the, um, the lighting is very Ex Machina, even, like, the music, and I know we're going to talk about the music later. Um, the music is much more like Ex Machina feeling to me. Like it's just very like stylistically, it feels. Well, like and Ex also Machina. both of them are dealing in in the tech industry yes. and in that yeah. kind of world, whereas Annihilation is more dealing in the natural world. Well, and they're both dealing um, in a yeah like God complex. Yeah, you're dealing with yes. a leader of a tech company who is like has serious. God complex issues. Well, and like, yes, Deus Ex Machina is implied, and then, yes, we find out like Devs is actually like the V is meant to like really be you. So, like, there's like literal God reference. I was so excited when he said that, and I was also like, I was like, because like it even looks like it in the like (laughs) the show's like promotional materials. It's like you would read it like that if you hadn't been told what it was called, but. I didn't mm-hmm. see it. Right. <laughs> I was still very surprised. It was like, oh, that's nice. Huh. Nice touch. Like, I had seen it spelled out, so I knew it said devs. And I know sometimes logos for sci-fi stuff especially are just real bad. Like, if you've seen the new logo <laughs> for Dune, it looks like it says dunk. <laughs> yeah. I like it, though. I mean, I th- I like that kind dunk. of, like, curvy, like... sci-fi like everything is a circle (laughs) every letter kind of is a circle kind of look but um i think like when you look at that you immediately know like this is sci-fi and then you know Mm -hmm. to read it in the way of sci-fi letters (laughs) (laughs) 
but don't though. Yeah, I mean it, that's fair. That's fair. Dunk. But um, <laughs> Dunk. Also, new pictures from Dunk and Oscar Isaac looking like a looking daddy, looking like a snack, <laughs> looking like a snack. And is in the what? What more could we ask for, honestly, than Oscar Isaac and Rebecca Ferguson as a couple? Love. What more could we ask for? What character is Oscar? I don't know. Playing? He's playing know. whoever is he Timothy Chalamet's dad. Mm. <laughs> well, which is hilarious to me. Well, poop. I do not know anything about this project. I love Dune. I, I don't know anything about like, Dune, but I know about Oscar you Isaac. Me and Isaac so. and lost me as Chalamet. <laughs> well, oh man. I mean, to be Susan, fair, I'm right there Timothy with you. Chalamet so. is playing like the little dweeb who's like, "Am I the chosen one?" Mm. I'm excited for it, but I've never read Dune and I've never seen the movie. It's well, this only is like 1,200 pages. <laughs> not bad. That's true. This is a whole different take. <laughs> Anyhow. Um, okay. What is this show we're talking about? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, well, I got distracted by Oscar Isaac. I mean, I'm constantly distracted by Oscar Isaac. Uh, I hope that Alex Garland works with him again probably i mean will. all signs point to he probably will yeah. because he seems to have a tendency to reuse his actors um and speaking of ex machina uh uh what's her sonoya sonoya mizuno is in ex machina she is the dancing robot who dances with no yeah. um, oh, wow she did some yeah. dance work for annihilation yep she she was yeah. the and she was in La La Land. Unrelated. Oh, was to she the Garland. alien dancer? Yeah, I think she was. Yeah, yeah she was. She was. Nice. So this is her first speaking role in an Alex Garland joint. She's also in a little movie called High Strung, which is a terrible film. I saw uh, that. That and I thought I of you. <laughs> yes, that I watched because. I went to How Did This Get Made live, and that was the movie that they talked oh, about. Gosh. And she plays the best friend of the main character, and she is <laughs> truly so bad in that movie. She is so bad. Like, it's so funny, because, like, I think she's great in this, uh-huh. but um, there are a lot of people, there's a lot of discussion about, like, her performance and how people are like, oh, she's a bad actress in this. But, like, I think that what she's doing is intentional as far as the kind of, like, awkwardness of her character but um anyway it's just funny to think about because i just i have to send you like one specific scene from that movie that you sh- really should see uh would if love, you're, would love if to you're see invested it. in her career <laughs> um <laughs> uh well i guess i mean we can skip around a little and talk about um religion because you we were talking about like the god complex and the mm-hmm. Um, halos. So we get a lot of religious imagery, not just Jesus on the cross, but lilies splayed out in the same position in the final episode, or the glowing circles of light in the forest that are often shot behind characters' heads, halo-like. There's also the whole messiah slash false prophet dialogue that Forrest and Lily engage in. So what do you guys think of the way this show ties the tech industry to religion? I feel like there is, I mean, and maybe I'm I was hoping someone else would have something smarter to say about this. So you can cut this out if someone says something better. Um, (laughs) But I feel like, you know, like one of the things, and I think he said this in interviews. um, I don't have that to reference right off the top of my head. But like one of the things he's commenting on is the like cult like nature of these big tech companies. 
I find it very interesting that tech companies like this are built like a campus, like it's a school. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the culture is kind of like supposed to feel like relaxed college campus type feel. And like you mm-hmm. see that they're all coming in on a bus and they've got their little backpacks and they're going off to their separate jobs slash, but like, it's very like, got the coffee shop yeah yeah. um they're hanging out and a lot of tech companies are like that and i think there's something about i mean i'm not saying this about universities but a lot of universities get accused of like indoctrination um i don't want to say that because i don't i don't feel like that's totally right but i think there's something to that there's this idea that like you're being indoctrinated into this like set of values and beliefs definitely um and part of that is like the culture and the the, this like vibe that you're like part of a community Um, well and that's even more true yeah like in organizations within the organization (laughs) like i mean i'm speaking as someone who is in a sorority (laughs) and i'm not saying that my sorority felt cult-like but i'm saying that like (laughs) i mean we're about to read ninth house so like yeah yeah there's reasons that like these things are compared, but um, like devs, for example, like that actual, you're cut off from communicating with anyone about what you do. You and only like a Mm -hmm. tiny group of other people even know what's going on or where you are all day. There's like no sense in time and you're kind of trapped in this place with no windows or light or, and there's this weird initiation too. Like when he first gets the job, he's just like, they're like, we're not going to tell you what to do. Just fucking mm-hmm. figure it out. It was very a Gideon. There's a the computer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was texting Emily while watching this and I was like, well, if I went to my new job and they were like, we're not going to tell you anything. Just figure it out. I too would panic and like go puke. In the yeah. Or I'd be like, Except is it he went and puked because he knew exactly what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it dawned on me then. Oh, he's not nervous. He knows. Yeah, what's I literally asked then. Emily the same thing. I was like, "Is he is he freaking out because he's like us and could not handle not knowing what his job responsibilities are, or is it because he figured it out?" Yeah, he figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did find in the interview um, on AV Club with Alex Garland where he talks about um, the churchy aspect. So I'll read mm-hmm. a little bit of that. Um, He said, one of the things that got me started on the show, and maybe this correlates exactly to Utopia, because the interviewer asked about Utopia. Um, It was to do with the sort of cult vibe. Utopia would be culty in some respects because it would be so keen on itself. Maybe that would tilt into being a dystopia. Neither of them really exist, though. Anyway, the thing I felt was more to do with the sense of a lot of Kool-Aid being drunk. The Kool-Aid could be contained within a tech company, and it could also be in the consumers of the products. The tent companies and product launches would have church-like vibes. I remember when Steve Jobs was doing those product launches, there was an incredible sort of fever around them. And so part of it is about that fever in that sense. But I also think, although that's what I had in mind, if someone had asked me what you said early on, I would have said, yeah, they are selling Utopia. You do get a sense in and around that area, not just on the tech campuses, but almost in the restaurants and the bars and the shops and at Stanford. Silicon Valley has a sense of its own ideal and perfectness uh, and that everybody else is implicitly aspiring to be like them. Whether they are or not, there's a sense that that's what everyone else is doing. Interesting. Mm -hmm. 
I I think describing it as the Kool-Aid being drunk is the perfect uh, way to describe some of these tech companies. Like, I mean, just look at Apple, you know, like people who are dedicated to Apple have all the Apple things. Like it's usually unlikely that someone has just a MacBook. They're going to have a MacBook and an iPhone and maybe they have a Apple Watch or, you know, like it's all of these things. And I'm saying that someone recording (laughs) this on my MacBook and my iPhone. Like, yep. I, I get it, but and like it's definitely that I got from yeah. the Apple store. <laughs> it's e- it's definitely easy to like buy into an aesthetic or an ideology of a tech company, and it is church like in a way. Like each of these companies have a different sort of brand that they've built for themselves, like different denominations of Christianity Christianity have built a certain uh like aesthetic for themselves. I mean, and you buy into it or you don't, you know, it's interesting that like, uh, the Steve jobs mentioned there, like, um, that's somebody who really has been treated like some sort of Messiah of technology. And like, Mm -hmm. and even though, I mean, he died of cancer, but he's almost (laughs) like looked at like a martyr in some ways. Like, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I feel like that's part of just this image that people have of him. I mean, look at like Elizabeth Holmes literally like tried to be him. (laughs) Turned out to be a, you know, false prophet, but um, (laughs) that's how, I mean, besides having the actual conversation about tech CEOs being messiahs that they have in the, in devs, like before that, when people are, they see Nick Offerman walking around and they're like, Oh, that's him. Like that was him. Like yeah, you've seen him before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like no, but right. that was him. And he's also got. I mean, he's he's rocking a, like a shaggy Jesus dude, a shaggy white Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's rough. Yeah, it reminds me of also the that Black Mirror episode where Topher Grace plays the, <laughs> the like head of whatever uh, company and he's like sitting in the middle of the desert with his uh jesus hair. i thought of that too it's he- very like jack dorsey vibes <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> as soon as i saw nick offerman i recalled that hair <laughs> topper yeah. grace's hair i know but yeah there there is always like that like this enigmatic leader like you have a steve jobs or you have like an elon musk gag or you have like a a jeff bezos or like these these people, of course, all white men who, <laughs> like, think that they no, – well, they have created something amazing. But then, like Jamie says, you know, they get too much power and then they think that, like, they're literally God, you know? Well, I have no idea um, if no Steve Jobs, no like, thought of himself that way or not. Yeah. But Jeff Bezos probably does. Yeah. Because um, he seems like a real asshole. Yeah, I think that all of the people I have listed were real assholes. I feel like Steve Jobs is kind of – he did some really shitty things in his personal life. Um, Yeah. But as far as his, like, I don't don't know – I honestly don't know that much about his, like, like philosophy on life and stuff like that. Because, yeah, he is, like, a figure that – we we know what he looks like. We know his black turtleneck. We know 
like, <laughs> uh, the things that he created, but we don't know that much about what he was actually like as a person. Um, yeah. Whereas, like, these other people are all, like, up on Twitter being dicks every day. So, <laughs> looking at you, Elon Musk. Um, anyway, uh, I guess I will go um, back to my second discussion topic, which is philosophy. Um, this show mm-hmm. is exploring a lot of different ideas, but I think we can agree its focus is on the concept of determinism or... Mm-hmm. Uh, the philosophical belief that all events are determined completely by previously existing causes. A particularly interesting scene is the conversation that happens between Lily and Katie, uh, Allison Pill, where Katie is trying to convince Lily that everything happens for a reason. And Lily's like, Lily's like, no, it doesn't. Like, and you know, Katie says, think of one thing that doesn't happen for a reason. And Lily's like, I don't know, like a kid with leukemia. And, Allison Pill is like, there's, you know, uh, something messed up in his DNA. I didn't say a good reason, just a reason. Um, And then things kind of shift dramatically because the show is kind of following this idea of determinism, but also, like, pushing back against it. And so for the whole show, you're kind of – you're pulled towards believing that it's true and then pushed back from believing that it's true. Um, What did you guys think about the turn that it takes in the final episode – and did so, you feel like that was earned? So I disagree that we're being pulled towards believing determinism is real the entire time. Um, look, guys, I minored in philosophy, so I have a lot to say <laughs> about this. No. Um, but I think, and I know I mentioned this, Kelly, when we talked about it a little bit yesterday. Um, but so I'm sorry, you're gonna have to hear me say this again. <laughs> But I think one of the things that's really interesting about the show and the um, stance it's taking is that I think it's very clear early on that Forrest has to believe in determinism. Like, he has to believe yeah. it's real. And from the very beginning, there's evidence that it's not. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't think at any point we as an audience should believe that it's real because everybody other than Forrest and like people who agree with everything Forrest say, says say like, look, here's all the evidence that determinism isn't real. Look at all of these other universes we have access to and all of these other possibilities that we like we can see. And he is so I was going to say he's so determined. Um, He's so determined to like not see that, um, that he like fires Lyndon because Lyndon gets, gets the whole system to work because determinism isn't real. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's like, nope, you got to get out of here. Cause like, we have to make this work under the principle that determinism is real. If determinism isn't real, then this can't work. Um, and it's got to, like, it has to be real for Forrest for personal right. Yes, it has to be real for Forrest because he doesn't want to take any personal responsibility for what happened to his daughter. If determinism yes. is real, then there's no universe in which his daughter lived. If there's no universe in which his daughter lived, then it's not his fault that his daughter died um, because that's just what was supposed to happen. So I think... Um, I think the show does something really interesting in that when, like, we're told this is what Lily is going to do. Mm -hmm. Over and over again, we're told this is what Lily is going to do. 
Um, so even though like we've been watching the entire time and we know that determinism isn't real based on everything we've seen, we still buy into what Forrest thinks somehow. And it's surprising when Lily yeah, doesn't well, do. And that's, that's what I mean when I say that, that we are pulled towards it in a way, because even though like, yes, there is all of this evidence, we also have Forrest and he is like... Nick Offerman does a great job of playing this man who you do, like, want to believe him, you know? Yeah. And, like, mm-hmm. he – you can see why this person became as successful as he did, and you can see why he has this sort of, like, cult leader uh, vibe, because he does also seem very down-to-earth and sensitive, and, like, he cares about you and is interested in you, and he's a good listener. And mm-hmm. you – like, the the experience of him as a character and, like, the things that he believes so strongly, like, he's obviously very smart. Um, and you you think, like, well, if this person believes in this so strongly, like, it, like, maybe it's true. And... Yeah. Yeah. So I think... I mean, I also think that... And this is just a question that I have because I um, haven't studied determinism uh, <laughs> like you, Emily. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) I'm sorry I was like okay so I have studied this but it was like a long time ago so I'm not trying to act like I'm an expert in it or anything I was just being a douchebag no 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 but this is a genuine question (laughs) that I have is that so in determinism is it is it absolutely certain that there are no alternate universes or can determinism exist within each universe so you know, we talked about religion earlier, and generally speaking, or what I mean, as far as like what I've studied with determinism, a lot of determinism is connected to religion um, and this idea. And we see this play out a little bit in the episode, um, in the episode, in the show, mm-hmm. not just one episode. Um, we see this play out in a little bit in the in the show where I almost said it again. Um, <laughs> um, what are words, y'all? They're starting to okay. escape me. But anyway, yeah. Um, the the whole idea and the reason that religion is tied into this idea of determinism is if God is an all knowing God, then He knows what you're going to do. If He doesn't know what you if he doesn't know what you're going to to do, then he's not all knowing. He's not all powerful. Um, And so then how can God exist if like he can't, he doesn't know what's going to happen. Right. Well, it ties into like Calvinism and predestination. Yeah. Yeah, And people, God's God's plan plan for you. People participate in this, like on a daily basis, like in, in the idea of fate and in the idea of that, statement everything happens for a reason which people say i hate that statement which is a shitty thing to say and also people say it all the time who have no fucking idea what determinism is so it's like it's also a concept that like that is extremely prevalent in our everyday but what i'm wondering is Mm -hmm. because katie is so like devoted to what is going to happen on this final day and certain of that but she also is certain that there are multiple worlds at, or multiple ways that things might happen like when she is having that conversation with Lyndon and she's like you might okay. fall so, depending so on the wind okay. like <laughs> so no okay no 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 
So I think that you're misunderstanding that conversation she's having with Lyndon. I think she's very much okay. So this she whole, whole idea, this whole idea of determinism, suggests that there can't be multiple universes because there's not things don't split. There's a trajectory and everything is on that line. So you can't split and go different directions because there's only one thing you could possibly do. Um, when she's having that conversation with Lyndon, they are at odds. Okay. She's saying, I believe that there's only one thing that can happen when you step on the opposite side of this bridge. You believe, however, that if you step on the opposite side of this bridge, there are some realities where you live. So if you really believe that, then you'll step out there. Yeah. And prove me wrong. Oh, right. yeah. I, that's not what I thought was happening. Which is so shitty. I love that scene. That was my favorite scene in that the was whole a great show. Scene. Also, Allison Pill is like really good in this. She's, <laughs> she's um, so good. She's always so good. Yeah. And she's always, yeah, she <laughs> my is. friend that I was talking to about this was like, she always plays like such a fucking weirdo, but like in such a good way. <laughs> like, yeah, she really is always like well, an so- outsider weirdo. yeah i was listening to a podcast uh with her recently and she was being interviewed and they were talking about how she kind of has two types of characters that she plays and one of them is like kind of scary and weird and creepy and then the other one is like totally like naive like little baby angel because that's like the kind of face that she Mm has (laughs) i just knew her as the drummer in scott pilgrim versus the world yes (laughs) And she's great well, at it. Well, so what I was going to say about that, sorry, I got off track. But um, because she was so on Lyndon's side um, when Lyndon was fired and because she's, like, seen evidence of things splitting and acknowledged out loud that the whole reason they can't talk about things splitting is because – what is Nick Offerman's name? Forrest. Forrest. <laughs> I just keep calling him Forrest. Nick Offerman, which is wrong. Um <laughs> is, is because Forrest can't acknowledge it. Like, so mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. that she was, I don't know, like also saying it splits, but the only thing that she's actually seen happen is that. Like, yeah. there is not universes wherein Lyndon lives and Lyndon's going to make this choice either way, but that and it shows all the splits. They're just all falling. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I think, she, yeah, well, I think she, I mean, the impression that I got was that she, like, believe, like, maybe she's just conflicted about what she believes. But it seems like. I think she is. Yeah. Because I think that, yeah. I think she, again, all evidence points to there being multiple Right. realities and if you've paid attention to anything they're doing in that room you can see that yeah however she is clearly she clearly has a relationship with forest she clearly yeah. feels indebted to forest um and she clearly wants to buy into what forest is saying so i think she wants to believe that there's only and so like as far as how she acts, as far as what she does, mm-hmm. I think that's all based on the idea that there's only one way that things There's go. moments okay. though, where it seems like Forrest actually does acknowledge the multiple universe thing as well. I think he probably knows that he's in denial to a certain extent. Yes. Yeah. He's definitely in denial. Um, and in the end, he kind of has to accept it in order to 
be reunited with his family. Well, the same, so, I mean, yeah. the same reasons that he has to believe that, like, back to religion, are the same reasons that people, I think, really get uh, on about God's plan for them. And, like, when something good happens, it'll be like, well, I had no idea, I had no idea, but God had this plan all along. And when something shitty happens, it's like, well, it was, it's comforting somehow. That it wasn't, yeah. there was nothing it's else that could have happened. But, um, and I'm not like knocking anyone's religion, but these two things do go together. Like, <laughs> yeah, philosophy and religion. I think it's really related. <laughs> if, if you've ever lost somebody, um, it's very frustrating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When people try to comfort you with this idea that everything happens for a reason. And I guess that's like, Forrest is kind of finding comfort in that somehow or trying to find comfort in that well because he feels at fault yes so i guess it depends on on how you lost someone too maybe i think i don't know from my experience when someone dies you feel at fault no matter what yeah you probably do like but but he literally was like part i mean not to say that it was his fault (laughs) but like he was like directly involved in the incident that occurred yeah so I can see why he wants to think, like, I can see latching on to the idea that, like, no matter, like, even if I hadn't been on the phone, it still would have happened or whatever. Yeah. Sometimes bad things just happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all the time. Yeah. Every fucking day. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of religion and philosophy and determinism, we haven't even talked about the thing that he's actually like trying to do on some level, which is bring something back to life, Mm. like reanimating that mouse. Mm. Um, yeah. Was terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I didn't, I didn't like it. (laughs) Didn't want it. Yeah. And I, that was the one part where the, you know, air quotes, science and physics of it did become like a little much for me. Like I was like, is, are they, you know, sort of crossing the multiple universe thing to bring? So what they were trying to do was, and I don't know that I maybe someone else can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know that the like goal was to reanimate the mouse more. It was a test to see if, if there are multiple universes, then this mouse will be alive in one of them. Yeah. If this mouse is dead everywhere, then it means there aren't multiple universes. Well, and I think also using the mouse was, like, their way to sort of, like, expand the universe within the simulation because they, like, created the mouse and then they created the stuff that was coming out of the mouse and the stuff attached to the mouse yeah. because every, like, matter is all connected and it just kept, like, expanding and expanding. So the mouse was, like, their starting point of, like, an organism, I guess. But also, I have no idea what I'm talking about, so there's But that. it – no, that made sense <laughs> to me. That made more sense than what I was trying to figure out in my head, so thank you for both of you explaining that. But it, it also was really, like, just the look of it and the way it was laid out and, like, with the objects around it, even though, like, I know that they had a purpose in this, it it did feel very, like, ritualistic, culty-looking type mm-hmm. thing where, like, it is sort of trying to do some kind of, like, magic, almost. Mouse seance. Yeah, mouse, <laughs> mouse seance resurrection. 
What is God's plan for this mouse? I mean, <laughs> also, I'm just hearing that Drake song every time you say God's plan. God's plan. <laughs> I something I think the show does really well, and I think Alex Garland is really well at really well at this. Really good at doing this is like a lot of things seemed i don't want to say ambiguous but like a little open-ended yeah you know like throughout most of the show as a viewer you could think well maybe determinism is the way things are going well i don't know it does seem like there's multiple universes and like you can kind of debate that within yourself even though ultimately i do think it's you know it does come down on this multiple universe theory like you i think can. because that theory is more interesting yeah, yeah it is more interesting <laughs> but but like there is an argument to be made there it's not just like one way or the other when they show the mouse sometimes it looks like it's moving just because of the way it's filmed and sometimes it doesn't you know i mean i think that it is like sort of ambiguous about these things which leaves it open to a lot of interpretation and debate which is always going to make a piece of art more interesting than if it's just super straightforward. Yeah. When we watch something like, and I hate to throw it under the bus, The Bachelor. <laughs> we're not debating what happened. You hate to throw right? The Bachelor like, under not, the bus? Why? We're not looking at something like The Bachelor and saying, well, did this happen? I don't know. Maybe that happened. Like, there's not a lot of debate for what happened. We can talk about the editing. We can talk about the dumb choices people make. We can't talk about like, philosophy or whatever and so like i think the way alex garland has chosen to write this and shoot this leaves it ambiguous in a way that we can talk about this philosophy and interpretations of what happened which makes it infinitely more interesting yeah and i think that was a roundabout way to just say like (laughs) it's good (laughs) i think he also and we talked about this too that you know for someone like me or like has as susan said she feels this way too that like sci-fi can sometimes be really difficult to yeah. wrap my mind around i think about like the second season of westworld when i literally had no idea what was going on the entire season <laughs> and this Boy. i pretty much felt like i knew what was ha- like i knew what was happening if i was supposed to know what was happening the whole time mm-hmm. like there were things mm-hmm. happening that i didn't know but it wasn't i i didn't have this feeling like i should understand this i had a feeling like this is mysterious yeah. i'll find out later yeah. and i did yeah for sure. yeah and i think that yeah. that alex garland has a very elegant way of like writing his script where the characters explain to you what's happening without it sounding like they're giving a lecture except for the part where there's literally a lecture happening um <laughs> but the characters like work in conversation like what is going on like scientifically or whatever is worked into the conversation in such a way that it still feels like a natural conversation, but it also is giving you information. Um, And it's pretty, it's not like the exposition in a horror movie. Exactly. Or like in a book, you know, like where that can be such a problem. But um, 10 years ago, also someone just says like, this is in code. Then I'm just like, I believe you. (laughs) Yeah. shit about like, code it's all in the code yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um i just wanted to to read this one other um before i move on to the next point i know we're already in an hour but hopefully i can cut some stuff out talking about like what is interesting and like questions that we have and like how things can be open-ended um in this thrillist interview 
uh, slash article with Alex Garland, he says, one of the criticisms I get usually from people who are very educated, educated to a higher degree than me, is that the ideas I talk about are sophomoric because they're the kinds of things that people talk about when they're getting stoned in their dorm rooms. But... (laughs) And then he said, but what really happened to me is that I had a bunch of questions and thoughts that came to me pretty young in life. The thing is that I never really found any answers to those questions. They just remained. Some people say, well, then you should move on from them. But that's not in my nature. And I continued to think about them and still find them interesting. So, yeah. And I think that that's because, yeah, like there are really simple concepts at play here. Like, do we have free will? Uh, (laughs) But that it's because there is no answer and because there is no proof like as long as you have a an interesting new way of exploring that question like why not continue to explore it so uh okay so this is the last thing that i want to talk about and i just i want to talk about it because i think it's important but we don't have to go on about this forever i do have a lot of um information here uh <laughs> so i'm going to try not to be too boring but The main character on this show, Lily Chan, is Chinese, which is pretty cool because Asian people are extremely underrepresented underrepresented on television and in film, particularly in leading roles. Um, In an interview with Thrillist, Alex Garland said that he was – the interview I just referenced – um, said that he was inspired to write the role of Lily after a conversation with Sonoya Mizuno during the filming of Ex Machina about the lack of lead roles for actors of Asian descent. Um, And he said, the interesting thing about that for me was that I'm kind of a left-wing liberal, which means in part that I try to be aware of these things, and I wasn't aware of it. It was a complete blind spot, and until it had been pointed out, I'm not sure I would have arrived to it on my own, and that was sort of quite a surprise to me. It was a surprise to discover such an inability to see something that was then so obvious once it had been pointed out. Having had it pointed out, I then thought, well, I'll do something about that. So although the role wasn't explicitly written for her, for Sonoya, it was in some respects written by her. Um, So here's what I have to say about that. That's awesome, but also she's Japanese and Lily Mm -hmm. is Chinese. (laughs) Um, So Emily, like the first thing that she texted me when she started the show was like, this actress is not Chinese. Like you can tell by looking at her, like she's (laughs) Japanese. Um, If you like know anything about like, the differences between different, like, countries and the way that different people look from them, like, but anyway, you know, I also understand. her name is very Japanese, Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so another questionable choice um, is the casting of Kaylee Spaney, a cisgendered woman who plays Lyndon, a character who is presented as male. Um, and so watching this show, I was assuming that Lyndon was a trans character, because me to me, it was – and, like, this is not, like, the type of thing that that you want to talk about where, like, oh, it's obvious that that person is not a cisgender male, you know? Um, but I was like, oh, this must be a trans person. And so then I looked it up, and it the actress is a cisgendered woman. Um, and uh, Alex Garland addressed this um, in the Thrillist interview – he said, uh, it's not a trans character, and it never was, and I never toyed with the idea of it being a trans character. He says, noting that he simply decided to cast a young woman to play a cisgendered boy. In some respects, he says, it's simple as that. Now, of course, I'm aware that there are broader debates about this kind of thing, but the existence of a debate doesn't mean that I have to participate in the debate. Um, and then 
this article also but, but i mean casting someone means you well do. yeah and yeah. so here's more of, of his explanation for this choice so garland wanted Lyndon lo- to look very young but didn't want to cast a child actor um for reasons involving the restrictions that would place on production and because he wanted the maturity of an older performer uh, and he said, with Lyndon, sort of, as I'm flicking through actors' photos and resumes, I was just thinking, nope, nope, nope. And then I got the idea of casting a girl to play a boy. And then I met Kaylee. Even before she started reading, I thought, oh, that's her. This actress is going to be perfect for playing this boy. And then I never met anyone else. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, there's a lot to unpack here. And conversations <laughs> about this kind of thing are always difficult to parse. On the one hand, I think it's great that Garland wrote his lead role as an Asian woman, Um, but also Chinese people and Japanese people are not interchangeable. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know why he didn't just write her, like, rewrite the character as Japanese. Um, (laughs) it's, it wasn't even that big of a thing. Like, it was part of her character, but I don't think it would have been that hard to change. Um, if he really wanted to cast her, which he obviously did. So, then... There's the Linden situation, which, on one hand, that's an opportunity that could have gone to a trans actor rather than a cis woman. Um, but on the other hand, I understand that the character wasn't actually supposed to be trans, but it's hard not to read it that way, given our current cultural moment. Um, and also, I, the article notes, and I do think it is important to note, that um, there is a trans actor in this cast. Janet Mock appears in a recurring role as um, a senator, And she also, her gender is never brought up um, at all. Mm -hmm. And in a perfect world, like, that's what we're slowly working towards, is being able to just be whoever we feel we are and not have to constantly address it because other people won't let us be that way, you know? But that's, like, not the world that we live in right now. (laughs) So, I don't know. Like, what do you guys think about this? My initial reaction just is that I did not read Lyndon as a trans character in the first place. So I wasn't thinking about the casting in that way. I was aware that that was a girl because I looked at the IMDb page <laughs> in general. Right. So I was like, oh. <laughs> but I I thought really it was just like there was a lot of kind of androgyny. Like not just with Lyndon, who I guess, I mean, was supposed to be a cis male, but I thought was just sort of an ambiguous young person. Like, I didn't really know. Because at one point, Justin called called him a boy, and I was like, I think that might be a girl. And he's like, really? And I was like, well, I don't know, maybe not. But I was like, maybe we're not supposed to know, and it's just supposed to be a very young person that Karen's not. Yeah, they don't use a pronoun for him until maybe, like, four episodes in or something. Yeah, and Lily Lily dresses in a more masculine way. Um yeah. has shorter hair. And not that she like presents male at all, but like I don't know. I mean even like Allison Pill has some androgynous elements about like her appearance and the way she carries herself. So I just kind of was thinking of it in that way. I know I haven't commented on the Chinese Japanese thing yet. <laughs> and that's because <laughs> yeah. holy shit. <laughs> like why didn't he just make her Japanese? <laughs> it just seems like an easy I, fix. But yeah. well I mean I think my perception of it is he wanted to be able to include the line when Kenton says, Well you know we've got a Russian and a Chinese woman 
I'm suspicious of you two because mm-hmm. you're both from, uh, you know, communist countries that might be interested in our technology. Like, but is that worth no. it? Like, is it worth that one line? No. I don't think it is. Sure. No. I don't know. I mean, it did. It did seem weird because, like, when we get to, we haven't even talked about Jamie. But like, I was uh, about to ask about. Jamie. Why haven't we talked about Jamie? Jamie? The love of my Immediately life. Immediately when I saw Jamie, I was like, I think Jamie is great. Jamie <laughs> is great, and yeah, he was. Um, it's. I mean, it's just. It's interesting. I don't know why you would just not choose to let her be Japanese. That seems like an easy change. And also, like you know, if he, you know, he's commenting, oh well, I basically like wrote this part around her because I was thinking about this actress. Well, why not just? Yeah, and get rid of that yeah. one line from Kenton. Yeah, and just change it to Japan instead of Hong Kong, where, you know, all of those, or, like, that scene with her dad yeah. takes place and stuff. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, on one hand, you know, actors do portray a lot of roles that they are often not in real I life. I mean, Emma Stone played Japanese, so. <laughs> See, that's worse. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean, I think that it would have been an easy change that Alex Garland could have made. The Linden thing is even more interesting to me. And I spent a lot of time thinking about this as I watched it. And I don't know that I ever came to a conclusion because um, when we were watching it, Todd recognized this actress because he has a Rain Man-like recall (laughs) of all actors. So he was like, oh yeah, that's Kaylee Spaney. And I was like... Oh, it's a woman? You know, because I was kind of unsure. And I was like, Susan, I was like, maybe they're going for an androgynous thing. And I thought potentially, you know, she was playing a transgender character and they just weren't going to bring up. Yeah. Yeah. Gender, his gender at all, you know, which would have been cool and interesting. But also, like you said, Kelly, why not give this role to a transgender actress? Why not give it or actor? Why not give it to a young transgender actor who maybe hasn't been in anything before? You know, like, I understand wanting to bring maturity to the role. But I think like, if you want to have a role that's intentionally going to be a young, younger boy, and you want it to be someone who reads as young like you just you gotta cast a mature kid like if that's what you want you gotta do it and they're out there yeah and i think like those those kids are out there yeah it's it's true and like i don't at all like blame the actress in the same like i don't because i don't think that it's not the same it's certainly not the same as casting a cisgendered woman to play like a trans man where like the center of the story is their transness which is an issue that we see a lot in in movies where you know Mm -hmm. someone of scarlett scarlett johansson eddie redmayne like people getting cast in these roles and you know this is different and like you know uh i was reading an interview with kaylee spaney where she talks about how you know like, women would be cast to play Peter Pan. Like, that kind of thing. I was just about to say, there's actually a rich tradition <laughs> Yeah, in Shakespeare, theater. too. Like, it is it is definitely a thing. Um, so, it's it. that's, like, what makes it a more complex issue to me is that, like, apparently, like, this role was, was not even, like Alex Garland says in his, during the interview, he was like, I was going to have a man play this role, or, like, a young male actor, yeah. but then I had this idea, and I thought, why not try this out? And, like, I do think that it's an interesting experiment, 
And I do think that Kaylee Spaney does a great job. But I, yeah. but at the same time, it's like these are opportunities that aren't getting presented to other people. And that's why, like, as far as with, you know, the, like, Sonoya uh, thing, like, that doesn't, like, as far as it goes with her, like, I don't blame her at all for taking that role. And, like, I don't, because, like, it's not as much of an issue to me because I think, even though, it, like, it's an issue to me on the Alex Garland end. With her, it's mm-hmm. like, she's going to take whatever she get can it, get. Girl. Like, yeah. obviously, get there's Get that no- role in an Alex Garland. Yeah, role. and there's, again, Her like, first her- speaking role in an Alex Garland joint. She going to take it. Yeah. And there's also, like, so, as she said, so few lead roles for, like, Asian women. And it's just, yeah. like, you know, and she does, again, a great job. But, yeah, it's just, like, it's weird that there are, like, two different things in this, like, fairly small cast that are, like, kind of weird. Yeah. For me, it's it's less that, like, oh, she's taking a role from a Chinese person. Because, like, yeah. obviously there aren't that many roles for, like, Japanese leading ladies either. It's right, more right. that, like... By casting a Japanese woman as a Chinese woman, you're kind of saying, oh, they're the same. Same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And they're not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's not hard to just change that. Did in. they acknowledge yes. where Jamie was from? Jamie, the character, is from? He is speaking, uh, like, some other language at some point, yeah, but I, I didn't don't know, know what language, language it was. was so I think it's Korean. Well, that's good. Hey. Okay. One. Yeah. That's that's on my completely real amateur. Also, knowledge. he was fine as hell. I know. The second Look, we love Jamie, okay? We love we Jamie. Stan. We stand mm-hmm. Jamie. He's so we want nothing but good things for Jamie. When Jamie died. Ugh, I, I knew was, it was coming. I was so upset. <laughs> like yeah, in the second episode, so as soon as Jamie got involved, Justin was like, Well, Jamie's dead. <laughs> it's like I know and it sucks because like <laughs> I love him <laughs> well and, and that's what was so wonderful about like I love that the last literally the last moment is given to like him to him and Lily yes. and like mm-hmm. her realizing that like she can she goes back she has this like world where she can go exactly back to how things were before and she has this person back who she thought she wanted or mm-hmm. whatever and she's like no like I realize now after this experience that like the person that I gave away is, like, so much better than the person mm-hmm. that I had, you know? But, like, like also, like, poor Sergei. Yeah. I mean, whatever. Eh, well, he was a Russian spy, so he was the bad I don't guy. know. I don't think he was a bad as, guy, but I As do. an American, I'm trained to believe Russian spies are evil. Therefore. Or you're trained guy. to believe that Russia didn't do die. <laughs> But yeah, I don't think he was a bad guy. I just found him a lot less um, endearing than. Yeah, and I think you're and probably meant to. Well, he was lying to her at the end of the day. So that's something. Yeah. Jamie has this very relatable moment where like she's Lily thanks him for changing the sheets for her. And he's like, well, like, I kind of need to anyway. Like, (laughs) it had kind of been a while. (laughs) And oh my god, like that scene yeah. right before, like before he dies, when they're like they're talking about having cats, and they're like talking about walking and he the puts cat. The lemon on his oh, it's so oh my god, like yeah, him cutting the lemon so perfectly. I was like, he's about to die, like in a couple seconds, because they're focusing so <laughs> much too on this like lemon cutting. Um, 
the like care and tenderness with which he treats every single thing, <laughs> um, including those okay. abs. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Seriously, like make him famous, please. I looked him up too. He has done some modeling work. Yeah. Should not be surprised. Of course. Of course. <laughs> uh. So finally, it, we were like running so long, but um. <laughs> Anything else? I just wanted to briefly shout out that the music in this is great. Mm-hmm. Um, the score yeah. was written by yes. Ben Salisbury and Jeff Barrow of Portishead. Uh, they also worked together to score Ex Machina and Annihilation, which is not surprising because this sounded this sounded like an Alex Garland joint. Yeah, like there's sort of some plus uh, featured songs. Yeah, Crosby, Stills, and Nash yet again. <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, great. Yeah. I loved having the... I loved the way that the episodes would often bookend with the same song. I'm trying to find this one song. There's... It's... So this is a song by... This is a song by the Beacon Sound Choir. Um, and they played it at the end of two episodes, and Ty became obsessed with it. I became obsessed with it, and it's like a choral song. Oh, okay. it's like a oh I know what you're talking about. Singing, we are the fortunate ones. <laughs> oh my god, amazing! And it haunted us for days. But it's just like the vastness of the music choices. Like we've got Crosby, Stills, and Nash. We've got this weird contemporary choral ode like all of that together just made such a mood for the show as well as the um, music composed for the show and it just all felt very intentional and And, like i the episodes also felt like their own little kind of pieces like it didn't feel like this long thing that was just like okay here's where we put the credits now for the next part of the story it was like i Literally in the second episode, I was like, this is the theme song. It's a montage of what everyone, you know, everyone just like looking out windows and <laughs> looking around. And then I was like, oh, it's not, it's not a theme yeah. song. This is just, we're going to do something stylistic and cool. I loved that. I loved the opening of the second episode and like, just like the shots of the burned body and like, just that like weird montage. Um, does anyone have anything else that they wanted to mention before we wrap this up and move into open my our very special birthday? I, I like just it. really, um, I know that we've talked about Alex Garland maybe having some casting issues, but generally speaking, I'm just, I think I can firmly say I'm a big fan of his work. Yeah. Me too. Yes. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. And I do want to say one more thing about his casting issues, which, um, we, I, I read what he had said about not realizing, you know, the lack of Asian leads. Okay, so this is talking about how um, Annihilation, there was, like, a little bit of drama because, like, in the second book of the Annihilation series, there's, like, a mention that the main character is identified as being part Asian um, and Garland cast Natalie Portman in the role, but I'm pretty sure that... Annihilation was already, like, in production when that was revealed. Um, or something like that. But anyway, uh, he said, uh, in a quote, At that point, I'd written the entire, uh, devs, and it had been greenlit, and also in the book I read, there weren't even names, let alone ethnicities. Oh, that's what happened. He only read the first book, because he was only adapting the first book. 
and knew that he wasn't going to do a sequel or anything. Um, anyway, he said, but the thing is, look, there, those are the kind of, ex- those are kind of excuses or justifications, and they're not really relevant, because if you just take one step further back, although the exact nature of the accusation might not be precisely right in that precise instance, it's clearly more broadly right, because otherwise I wouldn't have needed Sonoya to point out this thing to me in the first place. Um, Bravo. So I feel like... good response. Exactly. And, like, to me, that is an indication that, like, he is willing to, like, listen and grow. Yeah. Um, So... For me, like, that was encouraging to read and makes me feel a little bit less weird about everything. It's also, like, it's really refreshing to hear someone, like, take responsibility just as being part of the larger problem, even though the thing that he did, he could have just said, like, look, there's all these reasons that, like, this specific thing isn't my fault, which it wasn't. But, like... Right, right. It's nice that he's also taking that opportunity to call attention to the thing that is the bigger problem, too. Right. Good for him. Totally. So that's Devs. We all loved it. You should watch it if you haven't. But mm-hmm. if you listen to this, I don't know why you would listen to this if you haven't yeah. watched it. Yeah. Th- none of what we said made sense if you haven't <laughs> yeah. seen this show. I'll bet that sounded so. wild if you sat here and listened yeah. to this for this long. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's eight episodes. It's nice and tight and well yeah. put together. And you should yeah. just watch it. You can it. do it in a day. Why haven't you watched it yet? Yeah. yeah, it's an yeah. easy watch, honestly. Like it's yeah. it's intense, but not to the point where you feel like heavy after an episode is over or something. It's so. it's emotional, but yeah. not like too and much. As you can see, to there's lots handle. to talk about too. Yeah. So it's not yeah. punishing. <laughs> yeah, it's not like Suspiria, um, which I would <laughs> categorize as punishing. <laughs> So guess what? It's our birthday. It's our birthday. We're three. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are going to do this rapid fire. Uh, we're going to go in alphabetical order for the opening. So we're going to start with Emily. We did a Secret Santa, but we all know who we have now. So Alphabetical order? I'm first? Oh. Wow. <laughs> he comes before. Did you not realize that? K and an S. I don't know. I just, you know... I live with a B, and so I'm so used to having someone before me at all times. Nope. So, in this uh, house. Okay. Wow. Um, so, speaking of B, uh, he opened these. <laughs> but it's fine. You I, didn't I, see it, though? I, pe- I peeped a little, but I didn't see. As soon as I was like, oh, no, mm, that's present. Yeah. So, I didn't. Well, I wanted to tell someone, look out now, for an Etsy box, it? but then I was like, if I say that. Yeah. Susan, did oh. you did you send a card email? Yes. So I'm gonna my present is from Susan. I figured that out pretty quickly. <laughs> but I'm excited. I haven't read this yet. So um Dearest Emily, I hope you know by now. I, don't worry, Susan, I'm not looking at your face while I read this because I know that can be like a lot. <laughs> um, <It's> fine. <laughs> so make whatever face you need to make. <laughs> um I hope you know by now how much I love you. But in case you don't, I'm going to say it again. I love you. I'm so glad this book club turn podcast brought us together and that we've been able to share so many good times the past three years. You're the hardest worker I know. And we'd be all lost without, (laughs) oh, we'd be a lost little podcast team without our Hermione. 
Just going to say it one more time for good measure. I love you. Oh, thank you. Um, is there one that I should open? Yeah, I don't know which is which now. Because I got two. Ask ask Ben. It, it don't matter. <laughs> yeah. It don't matter. Okay. I'm going to go with this one. It's got a little... Um, this is from... I'm going to shout out the Etsy company that made this before I see what it is. Um, nightingalecrafts.com What if it says mama bear? <laughs> I know, I was Maybe just that thinking that. I get you. <laughs> and it's nightingale with a K, like night. Cute. So, just so if you guys are trying to find it. Okay, so it says, on the, so it comes with a little bag. It says stack the cat. Oh. So let's go cat. I want to see. Come here. Okay. Stack the cats. Twelve wooden cats waiting to play anytime, anyplace, <laughs> anyway. Not intended as a They're toy. They're waiting to play. Not intended as a toy or suitable for children under five years old. Okay, we're good. <laughs> oh it's God, like an upward play. puzzle. Yeah. You can stack them in a bunch of ways. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm like down here stacking them. You guys can't see that. But I'm, get- I'm getting to work right away. <laughs> stacking. <laughs> They are waiting to play. <laughs> they said they. I feel bad because they've been waiting a little while. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, here's the next one. Okay. So this one comes from um, wildrivertrading.com. Everything is spelled correctly on this one. <laughs> so it's just normal. <laughs> okay. No puns. Nothing No unique. puns. Oh, now I know why Susan was asking for favorite colors. My favorite <laughs> color is purple. And she also knows that I don't wear actual clothes anymore. But I only Aww. wear nice. but I only wear workout clothes. So I've got a new workout. Sh- I can wear this when I teach tomorrow. It says yeah. bar so hard. I'm going to have to take a picture of me in it with my little stackables. Yes. For you guys. So Thank cute. You so much. This is really cute. And I love that it's purple. I love it. Thank you, Susan. Okay, it's my turn. Okay, I'm gonna gonna stack my cats while you. Me now. Uh, so Mary had me. I have. I'm not sure if these are all from you. I have three boxes from Amazon. We'll see. Okay, (laughs) one's just like Um, something's gonna be your cat litter. It's possible. What if it's just something like somebody else sent you? I'm like, yeah, that's for me. <laughs> it's like a coffee grinder that I ordered. <laughs> um, so this is the card that Mary um, hand painted, and it is a postcard. <laughs> wow, Mary, making me look okay, like a dick my, my email card. Well, Susan, I didn't even send you a card. So yeah, Emily has to do it. a live performance. I'm excited for um, it. Interpretive. Yes slam poetry version Make of a card. Perform. Uh, this is very cute. It says, hello, Kelly, on it. And I will post a picture. Or we'll post stories with all of our um, gifts. I'm stacking cats right now while y'all are talking. Um, so part of this got covered by a sticker from the post office. Okay, I peeled it off. Rude. Honestly rude. <sighs> so rude. Okay. Of them to do that. Dearest beautiful Kelly. Oh, I'm so thankful that I met Emily... <laughs> And then, by way, by way, I love how that started. That's all it says. And then, by way of book club, met you, Susan, and I met on my own. Yeah, we met. <laughs> you are a brilliant, talented, and 
I'm like, does that say hot person? <laughs> a, a beautiful, talented, no, brilliant, hot talented, person. and something person. I'm sorry, Mary. I think it says hot. Oh, it probably does then. And hot person. That's. I mean, like, I don't really remember, but that sounds right. <laughs> it's a three-letter word. That's for sure. Um, it's probably. It's probably thank hot. you, Mary. Who is a true delight. Thank you for being there for me, for hard work on the pod, and for just being you. Soon we will get to see each other in person again. Love, Mary. Thank you so much, Mary. I did make that card while playing d and I believe you. I think that just gives it It has, like, special flavor. Mary qualities. It's got necromancy it, on it. Yeah, it was <laughs> made during a D&D game. Okay, so my first gift. This one I know is a gift from you because I accidentally opened it thinking it was an Amazon package. And then I saw that there was a tag on it that said evil eye bracelet. And I was like, oh, no. And I put it away. <laughs> but I can't. I didn't see the actual thing. So now I get to find out. I kind of had a theme mm. for what I got you. Ooh, it comes in a little velvet pouch. The, there's a card. It says, the evil eye. It is believed that the evil eye protects its owner from harmful energy and negativity. Cool. Taking the little bracelet out. Ooh, it's so cute. It's like a friendship bracelet. Uh, and it is black thread. And it has little, little eye beads on it. And there's two of them. I don't, maybe you're supposed to have one, Mary. Maybe I should send it to nah, you. Nah, it's just, they had even packs that had like 10 of them. And I was like, well, that feels excessive. Oh, nice. Oh, I love them. They're so cute. Kelly doesn't need 10 of them. <laughs> I need to be protected on every finger. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Maybe Penelope can wear <laughs> Oh, my God. As a collar. She can have a necklace. Oh. I love them. I love, like, witchy jewelry. So this is exciting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's see. Maybe this is from you. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's coffee grinder. Maybe it's grinder. a coffee grinder. I still haven't gotten the one that I ordered. <laughs> this is from you. Oh! It's a tarot card package. Wow, you went, you did this have is- a theme. This is very Amazon because I got you three things and they were like separate boxes for each. Yeah, classic. Affirmators Tarot for magical guidance from the universe to help you help yourself without the self helpiness. And it has very cute animals on the cards and the front has a little cheetah. I like that one because specifically it had cute illustrations. This is adorable. I love tarot cards and I love like having a collection of them. Yes. It's growing. This is beautiful. (laughs) I'm going to open my last gift then. It's a book. (gasps) Hope you didn't get it. I didn't. Oh my God. Thank you. (laughs) What is it? I didn't see. Uh, It's You Were Born for This by uh, Johnny Nicholas, who's like this astrologer on Twitter. Um, who I love. And I was like talking to Mary about it. And because uh, Mary had said she had the Astro Poets book. And I was like, oh, I really want this one too. And I sent her 
this book and I was like, isn't it pretty? And we were like, yeah, thank you so much. It's holographic yeah, on the it's front. It's beautiful. Which just is very striking. It's holographic printed on soft touch, which is like a super sexy feeling paper. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I'm so excited. I, after I got it from you, like a few days later, I was like, I kind of want to read it yes. too. So I didn't buy the physical copy for me, but I did get it on Kindle. So if you want to talk yes. about it. Oh my God. Thank you. I'm so excited. Yeah. This is awesome. That's also a very me thing to do to get somebody else a gift and be like, I want it also. <laughs> I love that though. That's like the best. Thank you so much, Mary. Those are like actual perfect Yay. gifts, of course. Um, so preface, I ordered Mary's gifts all at the same time. Uh, yes. like several weeks ago, thinking I, there would be plenty of time. It was like a month in advance. But the world is crazy. Yeah. So, and I think they shipped from like a warehouse for the for the other two gifts, and then this one came from the store. So that maybe is why they shipped like at totally different times. But anyway, Mary did not get two of her gifts, so I sent her links to the items in my email card. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly's email card says, first of all, the head, the title is a special card. Don't read <laughs> till podcast. <laughs> Hi, Mary. Happy podcast birthday. I'm so happy to be celebrating three years of doing this together and thus three years of being close friends. The fact that you went out of your way to make and mail me a card is a perfect example of what a thoughtful, thoughtful person you are. And this is one of the many qualities in you that I'd like to emulate in myself. You're one of the kindest people I've ever met, and I am beyond lucky to be your friend. (laughs) Thanks for all the hard work you do for the podcast. From keeping up with Facebook, which is my actual nightmare, and emails to writing stimulating blog posts about things I might not have heard about otherwise. You always bring up such interesting and insightful points and discussions, and I've learned so much from you and your many areas of expertise. I wish we'd be seeing each other in a few (laughs) months for your wedding, but I look forward to a future where the world is a little less trash and we'll be together in the same place again. I love you. Love you so much, Kelly. Thank you. And then it says Kelly McAdams. (laughs) (laughs) Should have deleted my email signature. Nah. Um, so the thing that did come, and I ripped it open, <laughs> <laughs> thinking it was something I'd ordered for myself, Aww. I guess. Um, but I didn't look at it too hard, but I did see the cover yeah. is this book, Commute, by Aaron Williams. It is a graphic novel, it looks yes. like, which I'm very into. And it looks kind of, like, experimental. Yeah. It's about, like, um, commuting and about, like, the body and, like, the female body specifically in public space. Um, And I thought it it seemed like something you might like. So. Also, in addition to commute, these links are going to show, reveal the rest. There are some socks. (laughs) That say, run in the world ankle socks. Yeah, so click on the picture. I think they say, like... They look cute. I think they they might say running the world and stuff or something like that. Yes, this is running the world and stuff. And it's got, like, a lady on a unicorn. Yes. And a little animal. And also, this stuff has shipped like. as of last Tuesday. Yeah. So I bet it gets there it's tomorrow coming. or something. 
It's coming. It's just, you know. Um, and the other thing is a game called the Hollowwood Storytelling Card Game. Which I was worried you might have, so hopefully I you... I don't. Okay. I've never even heard of it. Cool. Fire your imagination with these fun storytelling cards, reviving the Victorian craze for Miriorama's... <laughs> 20 picture cards can be placed in any order to create seamless scenes. Almost infinite combinations of cards provide endless storyscaping. Poss- storyscaping. I know. Possibilities. This sounds like a game I have played, though, that Emily has, where you put picture cards down and then make a story. Yeah. I thought it sounded really fun and cool. And I know that game's really fun. This sounds really interesting, and it's got, like, a spooky little skull. Yeah, the illustrations are kind of, like, spooky, old-fashioned looking, so. You can build seamless panoramas stretching up to five and a half feet. Yes! Yes. Perfect for quarantine. Yes! (laughs) I love it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And I'm sorry I did not get there in time. It's not your fault. Shipping's whack right now. It is. Wait, I got it, Susan. I got to tell you about why you're great. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Please go ahead. Um, Emily's performance. Yeah. So this is Susan. This is hard because I feel like at this point we've had two birthdays together already, and I feel that way because it's true. <laughs> um, so I have to think of new. And better ways to tell you how great you are, um, which is not a challenge because you are super awesome, but still it's like words cannot express, <laughs> which is why I didn't send a card. But I think I've told you this before, and I've probably told you all of these things before, but You know, before we were friends and I knew you, I thought you were way too cool for me. (laughs) Then I met you and I found out that was not true. (laughs) 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 I'm just teasing. Um, This is going great. uh, Yeah, no, I know. I'm really good at this. Um, I mean, honestly, this is like the stream of consciousness quality of the card that you gave me last time. So... (laughs) <laughs> this is just how this is how I write. Um, so me too. Remember uh, when you wrote "Hello, welcome to the other side of the card." <laughs> <laughs> um, Susan's like, I'm going to open this. Well, I got to start because there's like a lot a of tape on this thing. Um, I brought a knife down here yeah, with me. I am super glad that we're actual friends because I just like in my wildest dreams didn't think that we would be because I thought you were way too awesome for me. Um, it sounds like maybe you didn't like me that much. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. I was just like, man, she's pretty cool. I just, I always kind of think everyone's too good for me. Uh, not that, not me. Not I'm that trash. that doesn't mean that you're not special. <laughs> you are special. Um, but yeah. So anyway, I love you. Love you too. And I'm so happy that uh, I'm giving you these awesome presents. <laughs> All right. For a split second, I thought you were going to say, like, words cannot describe, so I have prepared a dance. (laughs) That just doesn't work very well on podcasts. Yeah. Maybe a song. All right. No. There is. Ooh, is this coffee? This is coffee. coffee. 
Mm. And, it's in, and it's my favorite kind, a French roast. Yeah, yeah. And look how um, freaking jittery Joe's. It's jittery Joe's coffee. That's right. Yeah. It's special. It's it's their special avid bookshop blend. Oh my gosh! gosh I need to get some. You can get it from Avid Bookshop. So there you go. Yay. Looks good. I love the label. Yeah, it's so yeah. yeah there's that's a little adorable. cat reading on it. Oh my god, he has a little book open. Okay. <laughs> and a book. Get a book. A book. It is Broken Faith Inside the Word of Faith Fellowship, one of America's most dangerous cults. Boom, boom. Nice. Yes. Whoa! Cults and true crime. I felt like you really needed that book. I did need so. this book. This is everything I've ever needed. And I have coffee. <laughs> so I can just read it straight through I, in one sitting. I think <laughs> I sent I think I sent that book to you like, hey, you need this book. And then I was like, ah oh, fuck it. You did, because as soon as I opened this, I was like, that's the one she asked me if I read. <laughs> Ooh, I'm excited. The blurb on it the front says I can't imagine a more important book. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Damn. that says it all. High praise. I think there might be one more teeny tiny thing in there. Oh, you're right. There is. It was underneath the uh, paper that was wrapping the other thing. A pin. Says, I'm an avid reader. Aww. Aww. And so I love no pins. I had to shout out to Avid. Yes. Thank you, Avid. Also, shout Yay. out to them for like hand drawing cute shit on the box that they mailed. I know, it's so adorable. So yeah. Ooh, I'm really excited about this coffee. I want to sniff it, girl. That is that is the best coffee. I might have ordered myself some when I ordered some books. Jittery so. <laughs> Joe's has great coffee. Yeah, very excited. Um, Thank you, Emily. Yay! Happy birthday! Happy birthday, guys! Happy birthday! We did it. We did it. Okay, we're going to seriously, very rapid fire what's on the blog right now. So recaps. We've got Survivor. We've got Listen to Your Heart. Kelly wrote about New Girl. Susan wrote something. We don't know yet what it's going to be. Neither do I. (laughs) Mary wrote something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got YA Book Club coming up. Um, YA Book Club, what are we reading, Mary? We're reading Permanent Record by Mary H.K. Choi. That is up on the log by the time you listen to this. And Emily Damn. wrote something, too. I also wrote something. Basically, a lot of writing going on over a, on the blog. There's a lot of content that we aren't sure what it is yet. So go there. We didn't have time to think about it because we had to prepare these presents. Yes. Go <laughs> there and check it out. Yes. Uh, so what is our next book, Susan? Well, uh, <laughs> it's The Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. Remember that one? Yes, I know, but I was just trying well, to open the doc again. So I was like, wait, I can't read anything. Okay. Um, oh, both of these episodes are Susan, too. So. Oh, yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so next time we're reading Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. Um, it's going to be the first in a series about a character named Alex Stern. Uh, she's a freshman at Yale. There are secret societies involved, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, so far, so good. I'm excited about that. Um, we're also interviewing Veronica Roth on that episode. You might know her from such books as Divergent, 
but she has a Just new series a little, out. A little book series. Yeah. She has, a, she has a new book out called uh, Chosen Ones. I actually just read it and really, really enjoyed it. So I'm excited to talk to her and share that with you guys. Uh, this is an adult book, so we thought it would be a good one to pair with Night Pouts mm-hmm. since Lee Bardugo and Veronica Roth have written for young adults previously, and both of these books are their first I think both of their first mm-hmm. forays into the adult genre. So, Ooh. cool. Well and said. the next other sode. On the next other sode, we are watching a true crime docuseries. It's on HBO called Atlanta's Missing and Murdered, The Lost Children. It's a five-part series. Uh, the finale is on May 5th. You can watch them all now. Um, we are also, or I am interviewing Mary Kay McBrayer. <laughs> Um, friend of the pod and author of America's first female serial killer, <laughs> Jane Toppin and the Making of a Monster. Um, yeah, so this is her debut book, and I got to talk to her about it. It was really fun. So lots of serial Yay. killer themed things on that other episode. Yeah. As always, you can find us at Bookswuggles on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Our website is bookswuggles.com. If you have any comments or questions about devs or our last other sode, which was our interview with Grady Hendrix and our discussion of Dracula, or our last book episode, you know, there's lots of things that we do. You should write to us about any of them. Our email address is thesquad at bookswuggles.com. We appreciate you. We are so happy that you are listening. Thank you for being with us for three years and or like one episode, possibly, depending on who you are. (laughs) Uh, But you should come back and subscribe to us and also rate and review for our birthday. That would be the the one thing we would ask for. Good present. Would be a Mm -hmm. rate and review. So thank you. And we love you. And I love you guys. Love you guys so much. I love you guys. Thank you for my present, Susan. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. Yes, thank you.